Aren't you so thankful for his sacrifice? We, we come together on this Friday. We, we're usually not with each other on a Friday, are we? But we come together on a day like this because of how important what we remember is. And we pause to give thanks and to humbly consider what Christ has done for us. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 23 today? It's where we will be in the gospel of Luke. And uh, want to again say thank you for being here Welcome those of you that are here in Auditorium 1 with us. Sounds like we have a room full in Auditorium 2 as well. Thanks, thanks so much for being with us, as well as those that are joining us online on this really special day together um, as we consider what Christ has done for us. At the end of the service, we'll be sharing in communion together. So I hope that when you came in today, you were able to Pick up the elements that are right outside all of the entrances. And if you're at home joining us, I hope you find something that will represent both the bread and the cup that we can share in together. Just a few minutes. I, I had to run into the store the other day. And uh, two things. That's all I had to get. And I knew that that was what I was going to do. I knew I was on a tight time frame. And when I, when I get like that... When I'm just kind of pushing through, sometimes Rhonda has to remind me what my face looks like. Anybody else? Like, I've literally had people in the store just stop and say, no, you better go. <laughs> like, because I'm, and, and it was that kind of a experience. And two things, and it seemed to take forever, because you know who got in my way? People. They were everywhere. I actually saw a few that, that I knew from Calvary. That was a joy. It was, like, it was like fun to see them and just chat just a little bit. But then there were all those other people. Slowpokes, the oblivious, those walking right down the middle of the aisle. Do you know who I mean? Because I'll take you out with my cart. I'm not kidding. It might have been you. Sorry if I clipped you on the way. And every one of them was there for a reason. I read the crucifixion story again this year from Luke 23. And what struck me that I don't know that I'd really thought through before was the same thing that struck me walking down the aisle in the store. All the people. Like when I read the crucifixion story, I usually just read it and my whole focus is on Jesus. What was done to him, how he responded, what he said, how he reacted, like, like his, his death and all that. This time when I read Luke's gospel, it just hit me. There's a whole lot of other people in this story. Like the way that Luke tells it, there, there are all these other kind of categories, individuals, groups that somehow factor into this story. And I think, I think there's a reason why, especially when you read the bigger picture of Luke's gospel in particular. There's something that Luke always kind of highlights. He wants you to see not just certain people. He wants you to see that the gospel is for all people. And if we're going to talk about Jesus' crucifixion today, maybe it's good for us to remember that Jesus died for people, didn't he? He, he actually even died for those people that I wasn't so happy to be around in the store the other day. He died for all people. How do we know this? Well, in another gospel, in John, and this is a very familiar passage, John says this, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We usually stop right there. 
Verse 17 gives us even more insight when it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Aren't you glad he did that? But to save the world through him. So let's do this. Let's, let's go to Luke 23. And what I want to do, just kind of real quick before we come to communion, I want to show you six individuals or groups of people who were at the cross. Because I think they were there specifically. Luke tells us about them deliberately so that we will think about just the, the depth and the breadth of what Jesus really did for us. You're going to see them in this story. And I would I propose to you that you'll see them today. These same people that Jesus died for 2,000 years ago on Good Friday, he died for that are still walking and living and breathing and shopping among us. Here's the first. Number one, I would say that Jesus died for his followers. They're listed in this story. Multiple times you read something about those that were followers of Jesus. The Bible mentions this. Now, some people were following him just because they were curious, but some of the people that were there were his disciples. They, they were those who had chosen to follow him. The, the Bible says in Luke 23 that there were some people, speaks very deliberately of a group of women who were following him, who actually figure quite prominently in this story when we get to the resurrection part in chapter 24. The most basic consideration for us today, the one that many, many of us that are, that are here can relate to, is we're so thankful to be followers of Jesus because he died for us. Isn't that true? His death makes all the difference. We're so glad that he did. On this Good Friday, we remember the day that Jesus died, and he died for those of us who follow him. But it's good for us to ask, why did he do it? Why did he have to do it? Why did he die? Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14 help us understand this. Look at this passage, uh, Colossians 2, 13. Paul says, you were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Isn't that an interesting picture? Like, and because of our sins, it separated us from God. If we had time to dig into all the theology, we'd talk about the fact that God is holy, and every single one of us is not. Look at the person next to you. Every single one of us is not. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, that's what I thought. And because we're not, it separates us from a holy God. It keeps us from being right with him. We need someone to help us. Look at this scripture. It says, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Jesus' death became a sacrifice to pay the price for our sins. He took our place. He bore our punishment, and that's because of his mercy. By grace, we through faith believe, and because of that, we can know forgiveness and salvation. We were recently with some family, and we were picking up some food. We were going through the drive-thru, and I was actually not driving. I was sitting in the back, and we you know, placed our order at the little speaker and stuff, and we came around to the part where you pay, and you pick it up and stuff, and we were, we were there, and uh, I, I couldn't necessarily hear everything, because I was sitting in the back, and all of a sudden, there was like, a, just they're handing us the food, and we're passing it out and stuff, and somebody said something and something, and we drove away, and the driver goes, the people in front of us paid for our food. Like, they just randomly paid for our food, and we pulled away and felt kind of bad, because we didn't think quick enough to return the favor, 
So we went back later and got more food there and just paid for our own that time. But that's, that, that's, a, that, that's a whole other story. Why, why'd they do that? They didn't know us, but they paid what we owed and gave us a wonderful gift. Now, that's just an analogy about some folks who wanted to pick up some ice cream. Let's just be honest. It was ice cream. All right. But you expand that out into life and death and eternity. That's what Jesus did for us. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But he paid the price. And because of that, we've been saved. We, we like to talk about the fact that we choose Jesus or we follow Jesus or we accept Jesus. But let's get to biblical language. We were lost and he saved us. And I'm so thankful for that. So Jesus died for followers, but let's take that even a little bit further. If we go back to the starting place, Luke 23, we also see number two, that Jesus died for all people, not just for the followers that were there. It talks a lot in this passage of scripture about the crowd, just the group of people that were there. And Jesus died for all people. Look at this, Luke 23, 48 says, when all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. The people that were there, this is just the crowd, this is just everybody that's there. They saw what happened to this innocent man, and it's this interesting language that's here. They beat their breasts. It means that they kind of struck their chests. You ever seen anybody do that in sadness? Like there's an overwhelming emotion that sometimes we're wired to have this deep sorrow, to be overcome with grief, and it impacted them so much to see what happened to Jesus. And even though they couldn't realize it yet, he had done it for them. When Jesus had been teaching his disciples, he said this in Mark 10, 45. He says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He paid the price. He, he gave his life as a ransom for us, not just for followers. He did it for all people. Like, like go back to our drive-through experience, right? When we went through, they didn't know us. It's not because we had ordered just right or we had been nice in traffic or we drove the right car. Those people just paid for our ice cream out of mercy and grace and kindness and love. And isn't that what Jesus did for us? We didn't earn it or deserve it. He died for all of us. He died for all of us. Like, take this one step deeper. Look, look at the people that are around the cross. It's not just the followers, not just a crowd of people. Number three, Jesus died for his enemies. And this is so clear in the language he uses and the things that he says here that Jesus died for his enemies. The reality is there, there are people out there who are sometimes just bad, evil people. True? There's a bulletin that's been put out in a certain region of England. In that part of the world, a lot of people have pets, cats in particular, but they keep their cats outside for the most part. So a lot of cats that just kind of roam around and what people have been finding, in fact, it's happened to at least 80 pets in the last season of time is that they have someone who they're referring to as the phantom cat shaver. They just take a shaver, find random cats and just shave off part of their fur and then set them free. They've had cats that have come back with shaved legs, backs, bald patches, some woman with a cat named Goose just had her cat come home with a stripe just straight down the middle of his forehead. She described it as, are you ready? Quote, 
weird. <laughs> Which it is, isn't it? And they can't figure out, like, who's doing this? Why are they doing this? And you just go, who does not like cats that much? Don't raise your hand. Um, it wasn't a place for confession. But it reminds us there's just some people out there who don't mind doing bad things. Read Jesus' story. Because you don't have to wonder. He didn't have to wonder who was out to get him. It talks here about the soldiers. The soldiers who actually carried out the crucifixion. Let's just be honest. They carried out the, the torture, the excruciating death that he died. And then you have the rulers. There were these Jewish leaders who actually set Jesus up. They mocked him. They conspired against him. They had him murdered. The, the passage even speaks about Pilate himself who as the highest Roman authority had this responsibility. And yet, this part blows my mind. And yet, as he's being crucified, as the soldiers are crucifying him, Luke says, we read this, Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Think about that. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. I had a hard time forgiving the people who just walked slow in front of me in the grocery store. Anybody? And yet Jesus in that moment said of those that were torturing and murdering him, Father, forgive them. He, he, um, he gave us insight that this is what this whole story is all about. We're going to share in communion in just a few moments, it, it harkens back to what Jesus shared with his disciples in the upper room the night before his crucifixion. And as he was giving them instruction in that place, one of the things that, that Jesus said was this, Matthew 26, 28, he was talking about the cup. And he says, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the, help me, for the forgiveness of sins, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins even for his enemies. I bring this up for us to see just how deep God's love was, how deep it is for us. You ever had an enemy? Anybody come to mind? Don't shout out names. Anybody come to mind? Someone you felt was out to get you, that you could not trust, that wanted to hurt you, that honestly maybe would even say they wished you weren't even here. That's what Jesus was facing. I think there's two things for us to maybe take away from this. That he can help us to have forgiveness even in those places in our lives. We'll talk about forgiveness a little bit more, but what's, what's the point? Forgiveness, the point of forgiveness is that we understand that we can be forgiven and that through that forgiveness, we can extend forgiveness to others and the freedom that that brings to us as well. And if you know how you feel about those that maybe have hurt you or that you've struggled to love or that you need to forgive, or maybe you just, you, if you had to give them a name tag, it would just say enemy. Right, if you've struggled in those places, imagine Jesus' love and he loved them and he loved you and me I think because whether it was his followers or whether it was the crowd of people or whether it was his enemies, there, there's a fourth group that we all fall into that Jesus died for. Number four, Jesus died for sinners. 
Number four, Jesus died for sinners. Can I tell you a story of two criminals? Recently in Newport News, Virginia, there were two inmates in the city jail there, and they figured out what they could do, and they took a toothbrush, and they took some metal objects, and they used it to start a process by which they, they exploited a construction flaw, a designing flaw in the, in the prison, in the jail there, and they were able to make a hole that they could escape out of and then got out of their cell and then scaled a wall and escaped from the jail. And the people in the community heard about this and the authorities said, hey, this is who we're looking for. Can you please help us try to find them? And they were found not very far away in an IHOP. <laughs> like the actual story is they found them in an IHOP nearby because a couple of people were in there just eating their pancakes and went, those were those two guys. <laughs> Called them up. That was it. <laughs> I got all kinds of lessons to pull from that, but we're going to leave that story there for your own discretion. Can I tell you another story of two criminals? Because there were two other criminals. We don't know their story. We don't know what they escaped from. We don't know how bright they were. They might have been thieves. They could have been murderers. Some speculate that they were maybe rebels who were trying to fight back zealots against Rome. And the Bible tells us that they were crucified alongside of Jesus, one on his left, one on his right. They had two very, very different responses. Let's read what Luke tells us. Luke 23, verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Honestly, isn't that kind of a natural response when you're in moments when you are frustrated, when you feel defeated, when you feel hopeless? Many of us in those moments have a tendency to just lash out at other people. And maybe this is a good moment for me to ask you in your heart, as I've talked about Jesus' love, how, how do you respond to it? Like, do you respond with an openness, a thankfulness for his love? Do you kind of question it and wonder if it's real? Or maybe like this, this thief, do you, do you literally just push back on it? Maybe you've had a frustration with God or you, you've had a disappointment with church or somebody has hurt you in some way that even as, as we talk about this, you're, you're sitting in this building, you're watching online and you're pushing back with, with kind of a, a venom maybe like this guy had. If that's you, can I encourage you maybe that you would let the Holy Spirit soften your heart a little bit, that, that you'd open up to the truth of this message because watch what happens next. That, that was verse 39 Verse 40, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. This simple criminal who we don't know much about in that brief statement unpacked a ton of theology and every time someone comes to Jesus, the first step towards forgiveness, towards restoration, towards healing, towards life starts, you have to acknowledge who Jesus is, don't you? Jesus was no ordinary man. 
He, he realized that Jesus had come from God. In fact, that, that he was the son of God. And he called it out that we're sinners, every single one of us, in need of something because we're separated from God. He also identifies the fact that this man's done nothing wrong. This, this man has never sinned. He's wholly different from us. And in acknowledging who Jesus is, and that's key for some of us today. For some of us, we've thought of Jesus as a good man, or we've thought of Jesus as a great teacher. We've thought of Jesus as this historic figure. But we have to come to terms with the fact that he's the son of God. He's the only one who can help us. And watch what he does next. He brings it all into perspective. Verse 42, then this criminal said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's a powerful statement that is repentance and confession and belief all rolled into one. He's already said that he's a sinner. And he knows that Jesus is the only one who can help him. And he says, Jesus, I believe in you. For many of us, we're here today because we're so thankful that Jesus' sacrifice has brought us forgiveness. Because we know that in and of ourselves, we're, we're lost and we need saved. We're sinners who need forgiven. Anybody other than me thankful for that? That grace that he's brought. But for some of us, maybe we've been in a place where we've been far from God. And we need today to choose to to follow him for the first time or choose to follow him again. For some of us, it's so simple today that we just really need to say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own anymore. And I give you my life. If anybody probably was worth rejection, might have been this guy. We can only speculate what his story is. But by the time we get to this point, he's... He's been so beat up by society. He's made so many bad decisions. He's done so many things that have alienated him from others that he is being crucified in front of a crowd. He's being, he's being tortured. He's experiencing the Roman form of execution that they had mastered. And there he is, no one else probably in the world really that he can look to. And watch this, what Jesus says to him. Jesus doesn't say, get lost, dude. He doesn't say, ah, you're a nasty sinner. When he recognizes who Jesus is and humbly asks for his help, Luke 23, 43, Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I don't know what this guy's sins were. And to be honest, I don't know what your sins are either. I just know that in the same way that Jesus opened up his love, his grace, and paradise to this criminal, he has for every other sinner who will come to him. And if you will come to him, he'll make you the same promise. Isn't this interesting? This guy is such an unlikely believer, which takes us to the fifth thing because he's not the only one. Number five, Jesus died for believers. Jesus died for those who would believe in him, some of whom are very unlikely. Like two in this story in particular, not just that, that criminal, but you also have this guy named Joseph of Arimathea, Joseph was one of the religious rulers. He was one of the ones. He, he was part of the same tribe or group or posse that was trying to get Jesus executed. But he had heard Jesus teach and he had seen the miracles and he had chosen to be a disciple kind of secretly, kind of privately, but he had chosen to believe in Jesus. He's a very unlikely believer. And if you read through that whole passage, he's the one that goes to Pilate 
asks for the body, and then makes sure that Jesus receives a proper burial. Not what you would expect from this guy. The, the other very unlikely believer in this story is probably his total opposite. Not just somebody who was a religious leader. The other is who's just referred to. We don't even know his name. He's just called the centurion. A, a centurion in the Roman military in that time commanded a century. He would have commanded about 100 soldiers. And odds are he's the guy who was in charge of the crucifixion. Here's what we read about him. Luke chapter 23, verse 47 The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God. Is that what you expect him to say? No, something has happened to this guy. He's seen something that changed him. He praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. An unlikely response from a Roman executioner. You have these two guys, very different, who in this moment have both become what we would just call some unlikely believers. Why do I bring that up? Because every, every year this time, I mean, it happens a lot, but especially when we come to these Easter moments, there's people who will hear this story and go, that's a great story for a lot of people. I'm not so sure it's for me because of what I've done or my background or what I've experienced. I mean, there's some people who you just expect to be in church, but it's unlikely for me. I'm kind of an unlikely believer. I don't know which one of these guys you can relate to Maybe you come from a very strict religious background, like Joseph of Arimathea, or maybe your background's just like this Roman guy, it's just godless, far from the truth of scripture. Maybe you've done a lot of good things in your life, but you're just not so sure you can be good enough, or maybe like this centurion, you've just lived your life to do whatever you wanna do and whatever has served you best. Maybe like Joseph of Arimathea, you, you've loved peace, or maybe like this centurion, you've been to war. And either way, Jesus died for you, not even if, but especially if you are an unlikely believer. Because he never said that you have to clean yourself up first. He never says you have to get your act together. He never says that before you can come to him, you have to get all your ducks in the row and make sure that everything's right. Here's what he says, Romans chapter 10, verse nine, that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. My hope today was that for all of us, as we remember what happened around the cross that day, that we would all be so thankful for the work that Jesus did. But my prayer has not just been for all of us. My prayer has been for some of us sitting in this room, over an auditorium too, watching this on a screen somewhere, that today's a day where you need to take a step of faith. And maybe everybody thinks you're like Joseph of Arimathea, Maybe they all think that you've already got it all together religiously. And you just know in your heart that you really need to believe. Or maybe like that centurion, you've just lived your life however you wanted. And today's the day to truly say something's gonna change. In just a few moments, we're gonna give you the opportunity to act on that belief and to speak those words. 
and believe in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And here's, here's why I believe this so clearly, right? He died for his followers and he died for the crowd people. He died for his enemies and he died for sinners. He died for even some of the most unlikely of people to believe in him. But I just wanna bring it right down to number six. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. There's, there's one more story. It's actually the one that Luke kind of starts this account with in Luke 23. It's in 23, 26. And it says this, as the soldiers led Jesus away, they seized Simon of Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. This dude, Simon, he probably thought in the moment that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He wasn't from Jerusalem, he's from Cyrene. He most likely, many scholars believe, was coming from this place that we call Cyrene, and he was coming for the Passover. This would have been what's now the area of Libya in North Africa, and people would travel, Jewish people would travel from all over for the festivals, for the Passover that was happening here at this time. We don't know why it says he was coming in from the country, why he was where he was at the time. Maybe he was running a little bit late. Maybe he had been staying outside the city. Anyways, he found himself in a place so that as Jesus was coming by, they seized him. Now, the, the Roman authorities, and we, we talked about this a while back when we were in the Sermon on the Mount, the Roman authorities can, can ask you to do anything they want at any time. They want you to carry something, you're obligated to carry it for a mile if they ask you to do it. And so they did. And so he had to. It wasn't common that someone would carry a cross for somebody, but when you read this passage of Scripture, the pre-crucifixion torture that Jesus went through may have left him in a place where physically he was not capable to carry that cross anymore. We won't take the time to go through it now. But the Romans had perfected execution. Many will even say today that there's never been a more heinous way for someone to experience death than what the Romans did before and then during crucifixion. We can get so comfortable with the cross as a symbol that we forget the pain and the shame and the statement that it would have made 2,000 years ago. And this guy, Simon, was just randomly called to carry his cross. Have you ever had your name called at random? I can remember that would happen to me quite a bit on the school bus. I've shared this before because I still have a little bit of bitterness how the bus driver would always yell at me and tell me to get my feet out of the aisle. Chad! I can still hear it. Chad! And you just hear that. But when your name gets called in that way, you, you ever been somewhere in a class? Hey, you, somebody said. You're in a spot like that? Do you imagine poor Simon? There he is, just minding his business. He's there to worship. The last thing he wants to be is involved in a crucifixion. And yet he gets his name called. I've had my name called for good reasons. You ever had your name pulled in a drawing? Anybody, you get a little prize or you win, you win a gift or something? That's fun. That's a cool thing. I've had my name called for some things that I wasn't excited about. But here's, here's something that we maybe need to think about for a moment. Joe, can, can I trade you for just a minute? I think you've got that um, there for me. Hey, thanks, man. I'll just hand you these. You ever heard that phrase where they talk about pulling a name out of a hat? 
Sometimes you, you see this, you get all excited. Somebody thinks we're about to give something away. <laughs> I got a great gift for you. Just hang tight. Just imagine that it was a moment where I was going to pull some names out of a hat. And I reached inside. There's several hundred of us in this room, probably several hundred more in this building. And what if in all those people, you're real excited now because you, you think I'm going to win something. I tell myself that. If it's something I want, I'm always like, it's going to be my name. It's going to be my name. It's going to be my name. Hardly ever is. But I feel real good for those few moments. But what if I, what if I pulled a name out of the hat and I said your name and you had to carry the cross? You had to bear the weight of that. You had to watch what Jesus did. How would that be for you? And then later to understand the whole big picture and realize that he carried that cross so that the man who was on it could actually die for him. And can I tell you this? I don't believe in chance or coincidence. I really do believe that if you're here today or you're watching this or there's a good chance because of technology that years into the future, somebody may stumble on this on YouTube or it may pop up on Facebook or somebody may share this with somebody in the future. And you need to know that you're not hearing this message randomly. I believe this, that every man, woman, and child has had their name pulled. And Jesus said, I died for you. I carried that cross for you. Not just for Simon, he did it for you. He loves you so much, more than you can ever ask or think or imagine, that he would give his life for you. The Bible tells us this. It's in Romans chapter five. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. I love this passage, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Anybody thankful for that? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? We're gonna come to the Lord's table, but before we do, it may be that you know what you need more than anything else today is to not just know that Jesus died for you, but that because of his death, there's forgiveness that you can receive. There's, there's things you've done that you've held on to for so long. And you feel like others haven't forgiven you. You feel like you haven't forgiven you. You feel like they're a cloud over you. It's the greatest gift you could receive. Jesus could give you forgiveness today. And he can give your life purpose and he can give your life meaning. And you don't have to wonder what life's all about. Today's a day where you can just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Lord, I can't do it on my own anymore. And I know I could, I could try to come up with words to explain it. I know I could try to come up with, with ways to encourage you, motivate you. I just know this. For some of you right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and saying, what you need is Jesus. 
So if that's you today and you'd say, Chad, I can't do it on my own anymore. I need his forgiveness. I need his life. And today I choose to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? Thanks. Maybe this is for the first time. Maybe this is the time again where you're saying, Jesus, I give you my life. You can raise your hand, put it right back down in this room, auditorium two, watching this on a screen somewhere. If you would just say, Jesus, today I give you my life. Anybody else? You can raise a hand, put it right back down, just between you and God. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, would you pray this prayer with me? If you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, if today you need him to be, would you pray this with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your Son to die for my sin. I ask today that you would forgive my sin and be my savior. I give my life to you, my risen Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, before we move to the Lord's table, if you prayed that prayer today, especially if you prayed it for the very first time, I hope you'll stop by out in the atrium in our new here area. We have some friends that are there. We would love to pray with you. We've got a Bible that we would like to give to you to help you read and understand and know more about how to follow Jesus. If you're watching online, you can go out to our website. There's a link there that just says Jesus, and you can click on that and find out more about being a follower of Jesus Christ. We're going to come to the Lord's table, and the Bible gives us very specific instructions for these moments. Paul Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. So the team's gonna come and lead us in a song. And as they do, we're gonna sing about the blood of Jesus and the work that Jesus has done for us. And as they lead us, would you take these moments to examine your own heart, to consider Christ's sacrifice, if there's a place where you need to ask for his forgiveness, if there's a situation you need to put in his hands, no better time than now as we prepare our hearts and thank him for his sacrifice. Father, we examine our hearts in this moment, and we ask you, Lord, that you by your Holy Spirit would do a work in each of us as we thank you for your great love today. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh
comfortable can I invite you just to lift your hands to the Lord right now and just thank him Lord we love you thank you Jesus for your sacrifice thank you Lord for the freedom you've given for your forgiveness and for your grace thank you Lord we love you Jesus thank you Lord thank you Lord I invite you to take the communion elements with me if you would please Paul gives us instruction in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 as to how we should share in communion together. And uh, at Calvary, we practice what we would call an open communion. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, 
if you know that you have put your faith in him and your hope is in him, that your sins have been forgiven and that because of him, you know that you have life for eternity, then we invite you to share with us today as we come to the Lord's table. Paul gives us that instruction in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and he, he says to us there, find the passage real quick, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, for I received from the Lord What I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread. This bread is a symbol of Jesus' broken body. And Jesus, that you would love us so much that you would love me so much, that you would love every single one of us, that you'd pull our name from a hat and say, I died for you, that you've given to each of us the greatest gift that we could ever ask for or imagine. And so Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice that on that cross, on that Good Friday, you were willing be beaten and to die so that I could have life. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's share in the bread together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And Father, we thank you for the cup. Lord, we thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Because of your blood, there's life. Because of your blood, we can know forgiveness. Because your blood was shed, we can know healing. Lord, we believe that even right now, as we remember your sacrifice, as we talk about the blood, there's healing that's happening. God, you're healing bodies right now. You're healing emotions right now. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice, for the blood of Jesus that changes everything. And we remember in Jesus' name. Let's share in the cup together. Can I ask you to stand with me if you would, please? And... uh, One last time, we're going to pray together, and we're going to thank the Lord for his sacrifice and his work in our lives. Lord, we thank you that on this Good Friday, we can remember that you died for people, and we're so glad that you did. Lord, thank you that we can worship together, that we can remember And Lord, that even as we sing about your sacrifice, we remember your sacrifice, we read God's word about your sacrifice, we look ahead to know that death was not the end and that we can celebrate as well your resurrected life. And so, Lord, we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.